When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. From the grassroots to the elite, from the juniors to the pros, covering the Aussies, trekking the globes, to the champions internationally. Welcome to the First Serve, your home of tennis. Thanks to GLG Greenlight Group, your open space specialists. GLG, celebrating 25 years of industry expertise and exceptional service. Find out more at glgcorp.com. Good evening, everybody, and welcome along to a Tuesday night edition of the first serve in amongst the smorgasbord of footy, of course, over the next uh, three weeks. Great to be with you. Always happy to have a chat to you as well on the radio. When we do talk the world of tennis, one three hundred seven three six seven three six, or on the text tonight, oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Brett Phillips, not a long song. We've been doing this remotely for a while, but we have vision. That is a great thing. Uh, the bonds of um, Sam Groth looking very healthy tonight. I've got to say, the two thousand and fifteen you can medalist for Australia's best tennis performer, holder of the fastest serve in the history of the game, unlikely to be ever beaten. Grothy, welcome to you. Rare time we don't see you at Commonwealth. No, it is a rare time. I, I might be looking healthy because I, I had to shave the beard off. It was getting a bit uh, agitated under under the mask that I've been wearing. So, you yeah. know, the mask of uh, interrupted my isolation beard growth. But hey, got to do the right mask. thing. Got to be seen to be doing the right thing. Got Not just seen, you've got to be doing the right thing. Yes. Yeah, no doubt about that, Sam. How are you going? With a mask, all uh, pretty straightforward. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. I think you know it's 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 strange that this is the world that 2020 where we're in a mask, isn't it? It's it's definitely odd, but it's what we have to do. We're doing everything we have to do to try yeah. to get ourselves out of this lockdown situation. And if it takes takes wearing a mask, then it's the least I can do. Yes, we don't want any notoriety uh, for us uh, making headlines no. for the wrong reasons, uh, Sam. So doing a beautiful job. Hey, a bit to get through. There's a lot of US Open news to bring you tonight and I don't know quite where to start because I've got a lot of notes in front of me so I'm going to try and be as succinct as possible so I need to do a bit of housekeeping grothy so interject wherever you like and you've got uh, your own ear to the ground and people you speak to but look certainly a couple of people I've spoken to today has said to me categorically 100% US Open tick of approval green light it is going ahead what a turnaround from the last uh, few weeks but you you know back seven days ago were more optimistic than you had been in the past yeah i started to lean that way obviously we're getting bits and pieces dominic team's going to go diego schwartzman came out he's going to go andy murray's probably going to play um we're hearing Grigor dimitrov hasn't quite recovered that well from the bout of covid19 coronavirus that he got from those events when he was playing in Novak's Adria Tour. But the big one is Novak. Is He's apparently leaning towards playing. He's been practising on hard court. He's had the US Open balls yes. shipped over to him to be able to play. And I think if you're seeing him getting ready to play the US Open, it shows you that event is going to go ahead. All right, so 
Uh, yeah, the ball's been ordered. Uh, that was interesting. Uh, and you can, you know, the world number one, you can request whatever you like. And he's put a few demands on the table uh, the last few weeks. Well, we certainly believe the next 48 hours they'll make the absolute final call. But we uh, are confident here tonight that it looks very optimistic to be ratified at a board meeting Friday US time, I'm told. So player entries have been extended to midday Florida time next Monday. So the tours and the USTA have a verbal agreement from France that they will waive the quarantine requirements for players and their teams coming in from the US Open. And it's expected that once France actually issue this, Spain and other European countries will follow. However, the verbal agreement, Grothy, it's interesting. It's making a few people a little nervous because it's about 10 or 11 days old now and they still have nothing in writing, which has uh, plenty of people just on the edge of their seat. But as has been put to me, conversations have progressed with Europe nicely and that the USTA, the exec team there, is uh, pretty upbeat. So a Q&A doc was issued to all the players last week. I actually got a copy of that today to have a little uh, look through, which is all about the event uh, protocols, etc., etc. The TWA Hotel right next to JFK Airport, which they're telling all the players to fly into, the bubble, that had been announced as the official hotel for the players, but it's been scrapped in favour of the Long Island Marriott. So it's got about just under 600 rooms, 16 suites. So they'll be fighting for those. Uh, so about 100 more rooms in the TWA Hotel. So on a good day, New York traffic-wise, maybe looking at a 30- to 6-minute trip, which is very like Manhattan, isn't it? If you're coming out from Manhattan to Billy Jean King National Tennis Centre, around about, what, three-quarters of an hour? Yeah, it can, it can be pretty rough sometimes as well, trying to get out. The tunnel gets a bit chaotic at times. You try and fire other ways around. But, yeah, I mean, the, we all know, and it's been the discussion for a while, hasn't it? The, the protocols that are being put in place and everything that's going to need to be done for this tournament to go ahead. And obviously they're maybe hearing that more players are going to take up these rooms than they thought with the amount of guests and people. I mean, maybe just needed that more space. Yeah, absolutely. And well, the US Open still making the private housing option available, but they are obviously limited. So players can't just go and say, we're going to stay with a friend or uh, stay at some sort of private residence. Uh, when the Marriott fills up, they've got a second hotel, the Gardens City Hotel for the players as well. So just on the issue that we've been talking about, Grothy, the last few weeks about getting from the US into Europe. So just further to what I said earlier, players will be allowed to enter Spain as highly qualified employees, uh, Madrid being the first event after uh, New York. They'll be allowed to travel to France subject to receiving an entry pass issued by the uh, interministerial crisis cell, as it's called, uh, to the extent that players coming directly from a country which has not been cleared, which is the situation with the US, or players transitioning through another Xinjiang country, as it's uh, known. So that basically means uh, the Schengen area is a, an area which is a zone where 26 countries actually abolish their internal borders. Uh, follow me, here's a lot of information. For the free and unrestricted movement of people in harmony with common rules for controlling external borders and fighting criminality by strengthening the common judicial system and the police <laughs> cooperation. So when they get there to Spain, to Italy, they'll be considered by the border police as coming from that area. So yeah, there's Schengen. so many layers yeah. logistically to getting all of this right to then convince the players that you're going to be OK. Well, that's technically what you need, isn't it? You just need them to do an agreement with one of these countries and tell everyone they've got to get in there. And once they're in there, they're sort of free to move and do what they want. But it's the same as we've been speaking about. I do think if tennis wants 
to hold its position at the moment in the public's eyes too. They need to get playing. We've got yep. all these other sports going on. Look at footy here. We're going to play however many days in a row after tonight. There's games going on all the time. The PGA Tour is back. The NBA is back. The European Tour golf's back. There's, there's everything coming back now, and tennis is still mm. sort of lagging behind. You've got to, the, the Premier League went on. You know, the European football's all happening. Yep. If tennis doesn't get back out there and doesn't get back out there now, people, I feel like you just, you're going to start to lose interest. There's going to be those tennis fans, those diehards. Mm. And I know that's something we've touched on. Who, who are those diehards a little bit? And I think it's something you've, you know, we've spoken about. Jenny Drummond spoke about it last week and something Patrick Moritoglu's looked at. But if tennis doesn't get back out there soon and start appealing to the masses again, how does the sport recover out of this? You know, I think great that they're going to get going. I think it needs to happen. Yeah, no doubt. There had to be a starting point. And if the US Open can be that, and it's going to be the most different US Open. You know, I was watching a bit of Jimmy Connors 1991 yesterday when he had that crowd at absolute fever pitch, the loudest tennis crowd I've ever heard in my time watching tennis. Well, that was uh, 29 years ago, so it'll be a far cry from that, but it'll be one that people will remember. So the USTA will help facilitate obtaining a health certificate to help players enter Spain or France. It's not totally a done deal. They still need to sign some paperwork, but we believe that the relationship's good. Now, I've rattled off a bit of information, Grothing, but the most important thing for the players <laughs> is they'll be able to order Uber Eats. Oh, that's 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 a staple of, trust me, the amount of money that goes through Uber Eats from a tennis player's account over the years. Yeah. It's plenty of it. But no, I think this is the thing, though. You, you've got to allow them, well, you don't have to allow them any freedom, I guess. If you want it to go ahead, you don't have to give them any freedom. You can tell them everything has to be a certain way, but I mean, I think the players, they all think the protocols are a little bit crazy. I think you've got to do everything you can, though, don't you? Because it's not... It's only We've said it from the beginning. It's only going to take one stuff up, yep. and the whole thing comes crashing down very quickly. Well, Stephanie Miles, uh, highly regarded Canadian journalist, Grothy, her quote over the last couple of days, logistics surrounding the effort truly are off the charts. So many things can go wrong. It feels like uh, maybe one piece of bad news away from the entire house of cards falling down. So who knows which way it's going to go. The USTA providing the players with a letter of invitation so the Customs and Border Patrol will be basically cross-referencing players against a list of players submitted by the ATP and the WTA to the Department of Homeland Services to gain entry into JFK and, and go from there. Now, what's interesting, Grothy, Cincinnati, the leading event, the entry list for that closes around midnight tonight. I did get a look at the qualifying list today, which has got, from an Australian perspective, Millman, Thompson, Duckworth, O'Connell, Polmans, Bolt, Purcell, Ebden, and Dane Kelly on that list. Now, what's interesting, that was as of 3 o'clock today, so there's a few more hours to go, but I counted about 24 players in the top 100 who aren't on that qualifying list as it stands right now. So Millman's the first alternate to go into the main draw at 43 in the world, his current ranking. So that singles field for Cincinnati at 56. You'll have, what, about four or five wild cards, the qualifiers. So we'll get a better look at that in the next 24 hours as to who's going to go into the hub for Cincinnati and then the US Open of who's actually going to be feeding about making the trip. Yeah, and how many guys are going to play? You're probably going to understand who's going to go to New York then. You can see a lot of guys there making the trip, hoping that this cut for the US Open is is going to come way, way down. Obviously, we know there's no qualifying events, so you're not going there just to sit around and and, and do nothing. Are you? You're not going to eat that cost of going to the United States. And you know, there's a lot. You got to sit in a hotel room. And if you don't get in, you have to come home and pay your quarantine and sit in a hotel room for two weeks when you come back. 
as well. Yeah, I guess a lot of players, they're going to wait to see what the, the cuts do. You've got to think it's not going to be your normal 104 gets you in to the US Open this year. It's going to be, you know, unless it's going to drop. It, it can't be like we norm, normally used to seeing at a Grand Slam tournament. There's going to be people who just won't sacrifice going because of their health and the current situation, which you can understand, but it's yep. definitely going to go ahead. Yeah, well, you mentioned a few of the big names earlier. I mean, it appears... Nadal, I mean, from what we can glean, he's been practising totally on the clay. It looks like he is not going. And on the women's side, Simona Halep. Now, on Halep, we know that the WTA is going to return next week. Palermo, Italy, the uh, Sicilian capital there. It's never been an event that's attracted the uh, creme de la creme of uh, the women's tennis players. So 350 in the stands as opposed to usually a 1,000 seats there. They're reducing price money by about 28,000. They don't expect to make a profit. Very small tournament. They don't usually get a star-studded field, as I mentioned. But back on July 11, Simona Halep actually confirmed she would play but over the weekend she actually changed her mind. The reason given was the requirement for people coming to Italy from Romania and Bulgaria to self-quarantine for 14 days upon arrival that was announced last Friday. So the tournament actually tried to intervene, writing to the Italian uh, Minister for Health to ask for a quarantine waiver for players to take part. That fell on deaf ears and a few tweets came out from the tournament director absolutely gutted. This this was their one chance, this little tournament, to get an absolute star and I think uh, Kuznetsova has pulled out as well. So Joe Conta looks like being the top seed, which, you know, she's a top 20 player, so it's a decent name. Well, and I was just also reading before we went to air that Joe, she's planning on going to the US, so she's yep. got plans to go over there, so she's going to make a quick dash, I guess, from Italy to New York at some point. You know, I, I, it's going to be the biggest challenge that we've spoken about. What is there, 40-odd countries represented in the men's and women's top 100s? Yep. It's not just getting the players into Italy for next week or into New York or into Spain or into Paris. Mm. You know, it's getting everyone out of their individual countries and what restrictions are placed on certain borders from other places. It's all well good, well and good for the US Open as well to say they're going to get these exemptions for players to go back. The US Open, honestly, they, they can keep saying it's a spoken agreement, there's verbal agreement. There's the, their priority is to get their own event going. Yeah. Now, they can tell the players that this is going to happen, this is going to happen, but in the end, I mean, I'm sure they need to do it for the players to be able to get there, but they couldn't really probably care about that. They no. just need to get their US Open going. Exactly right. Well, it's their cash cow, isn't it? I mean, that funds, you know, like all the slams, it funds the grassroots. It it uh, is the, the biggest revenue earner, which uh, then filters down all the levels of the game in the Grand Slam countries. Obviously, we learnt last Friday, Grothy, uh, China, uh, done and dusted. And we know that on the men's side, there was going to be Shanghai, uh, Beijing. And we know the women have got the World Tour finals and a stack of WTA tournaments. So that's off the cards post hopefully what will be the French Open in uh, Paris, which, gee, takes away uh, a big revenue chunk. Well, certainly does, especially the WTA side. They've had such a huge financial investment from China in recent years. You just have to look at the schedule for them, as you mentioned, post well, what is normally post the US Open, and it's almost just completely blocked out by tournaments in China. We knew that announcement was going to come, though. Was it two or three weeks ago we saw the announcement from the governing body in China saying that no international sporting events are going to go ahead for the year? It was only a matter of time. The WTA were balking a little bit at that. Originally said, no, 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 we don't know that that's the case. We'll do our best. But, yeah, you've got to think that, you know, obviously the ATP has Beijing and, and Shanghai, but it's the WTA with their whole list of events, and you have to go through the calendar. But they have so many events in China at the end of the year. They've had such, as we mentioned, such a huge financial investment from that region. And, you know, obviously they've had to do it in recent times. That's where the money's had to yeah. come from. Um, the ATP hasn't gone that way, and, and you've got to see how that's going to affect the 
WTA moving forward as well without that revenue. There was maybe one suggestion I heard over the weekend, Groth, I don't know if you heard the same thing, about maybe combining the ATP and WTA finals as one big event, possibly, at the uh, the back end of the year, knowing how lucrative it is. But, yeah, I mean, so much water to go under the bridge, that feels like uh, a million you. miles away right now. That would have to be very financially viable for the ATP. Yep. There would have to be a, an incentive there because that's how they fund the whole business for the whole year. The whole organisation yeah. is funded off that event, the Nido ATP Finals in London. So if the WTA, I reckon they'd have to be offering up something fairly big to the ATP for that to happen. I mean, and this is the whole other thing about having two separate tours. It's not just easy to go and combine an event. You've got to work out all these other parts. Who knows? Maybe we'll never see it. Maybe we'll never see a combined tour. No. Uh, that feels like, as I said, a long way away. We'll come back after the break and have a chat about the Australian Open and the developments there and what it means for our Grand Slam tournament. Debbie Sterry coming up, CEO of uh, Tennis SA as well. You can keep up to date with the world of tennis via our website, thefirstserve.com.au. Listen back to any shows you miss here on SEN Weekly and our uh, podcast going beautifully. Aussies only, crunching the numbers uh, in the huddle. Uh, plenty of written content as well, thefirstserve.com.au. All thanks to Top Agents Real Estate servicing all of Melbourne. If you do live here, you're looking to get to Melbourne when we get back to normal at some stage. Beautiful city. We love it. We're biased. Looking to buy, rent, sell or have your property investment managed. Make contact with David and his team, 95584599 or top-agents.com.au. We're off and running. Tuesday night edition of The First Serve. The First Serve, your home of tennis. Thanks to GLG Greenlife Group. Celebrating 25 years providing landscape, horticultural and environmental services throughout Australia. GLG, your open space specialists. GLGCorp.com. Brett Phillips, Sam Groth with you, a Tuesday night edition of The First Serve. Uh, great to have your company and look forward to you spending an hour with us. And we'd love you to contribute as well, one 736 736 or on the text 0433 Debbie Steary, very shortly CEO over at Tennis SA. But Australian Open, uh, Grothy, we know that Craig Tiley uh, chatted across uh, the weekend. We knew that for the last few months we've had four or five scenarios on the table, reading the tea leaves, watching this world pandemic uh, unfold. Old, uh, very much in our own backyard now, but 2021, in case you haven't caught up on the news over the last a few days, basically Tennis Australia has said that there'll be reduced seating due to social distancing, so we know 15,000 can get onto RLA, looking at a capacity of 7.5 players in a biosecurity bubble, the likelihood of no overseas spectators, which accounts for about 15% of ticket sales, players to quarantine on arrival be tested, stay at the official biosecure tournament hotels, travel in uh, sealed transport, so last year we had, what, about 821,000 through the precinct. That to be cut in half. They're going to spend a bit of time observing the US and the French to watch how they do it. And they're expecting around about 2,500 people, including players and support staff, to come here. I mean, this is the situation they're forced into and they need to plan this early, Grothy, for an event of that size. Yeah, they do. And they can start planning and they can scale back as needed. And, you know, I, I said it before, I, I don't think, and, and we're all hopeful that we're not in the situation that we're in now that things keep getting better but also that we can do what the AFL's done for a situation, bring everyone in, do what the US Open's trying to do but obviously we're in a lot better situation than what New York is in. You know, hopefully we, we can have everybody in, bring them in. It's summertime, we've got plenty of venues around the country where we can quarantine players if they need to come in early, do almost an off-season here in a quarantine circumstance. Yep. Um, you know, I know from my point of view, Channel 9's planning for a full-scale broadcast and then if they need to scale back from there. But at the moment 
moment, you know, everyone's planning like this is the Australian Open that we're going to have. It's going to go ahead. We're mm. planning in that way. And, you know, to be honest, can you imagine Australian summer for, for not just us, for tennis people, but an Australian summer without the Australian Open, it, it wouldn't be the same. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens with events like the new ATP Cup and, you know, what's going to happen in Sydney, what's going to happen in Brisbane, what's going to happen the new event in Adelaide that they got back. You know, it's a yeah. whole Australian summer that also needs to be pieced together. And what does that all look like? Yeah, no doubt. So much water to go under the bridge. Uh, what well, we're a good, you know, five, six months away, but uh, that's the directive that the AO is going down. I mean, Steve Simon, the WTA CEO, has basically said we won't be back to normalcy until 2022, which is a little scary. Mary Trump, did you catch her on 60 Minutes, Grothy, on the weekend? <laughs> no, I, I didn't. I didn't, I didn't uh, tune in for that one, VP. Do you know she is a massive tennis fan? Massive tennis fan. Mary Trump. We're going to have to try and get her on, I think. Oh, gosh. You're doing well there. <laughs> get the exclusive. <laughs> we'll give her book a bit of a plug, but she absolutely loves her tennis. And Rafael Nadal, we know the career he's created. He's been hitting with a 17-year-old Spanish standout, Danny Rincon, who's a lefty. He joined the Nadal Academy in 2019, the sixth Spanish player to win the Orange Bowl in the under-16 category. So we know that they're just producing many talented players right through the age groups. So we're keeping an eye on this young man. I saw a little bit of footage. He goes OK against Rafa. Yeah, when you've got to know Rafa got taken under the wing of Carlos Moyer at a young age. He, he took him under. So maybe another one coming out of Mayoka. Do you see that um, Leo Borg as well yes. is training there at the Nadal Academy. So yep. an, a Borg-Nadal uh, collaboration happening of some sorts also. Uh, there's some good names uh, coming through. We, we wonder what the next uh, phase, the next year of men's tennis is going to look like. But, gee, there's some good young talent going around. But let's uh, focus domestically for a moment. We want to, over the next few weeks, get around all the states and have a chat to uh, the various state bodies. We're going to check in at Tennis SA tonight. Of course, our show does go into uh, Adelaide on SCNSA and Debbie Steary is the CEO of Tennis SA. Good evening to you, Debbie. Good evening, Brett. Nice to uh, have you on the show. Just uh, touching on what Sam said just a couple of moments ago, I, I was mentioning before mm -hmm. about the plan for the Australian Open. Are you able to uh, shed any uh, light mm -hmm. on, obviously, your event or what the, the lead-up may be? Any discussions that you've heard or been involved in as to that leading to the Australian Open and what it may look like under this um, sort of unprecedented times? Uh, yes, Brett, and I'm also the general manager for the Adelaide International. So we've been having meetings for the last couple of months now and, and planning uh, to go ahead in, in January 2021. Um, so obviously working through various scenarios, but um, we're being positive and and really starting to hit the ground running and, and putting things in place for hopefully having the tournament um, to go ahead. So we're here in Melbourne. We look at things from a lockdown situation. Everything's probably as bad for us as it could be. We'd love to get out and have not life a little bit normal. When you talk about planning for an event in Adelaide come January, what does Adelaide look like at the moment, both from a lifestyle point of view, but also probably mainly from, from a tennis perspective? Yeah, we're fortunate um, here in South Australia that um, we've had tennis back for, for quite a while and um, obviously the UTR Pro Tennis Series is being run at the moment, uh, so we've just got the third round um, being played at Memorial Drive as we speak. So, you know, from a tennis perspective, Brett, we've been sort of up and running for a few months now. We've had, you know, a winter tennis competition start the week after the long weekend um, in June, and numbers were pretty well the same as last year. So, 
you know, we've just been really fortunate, but um, also aware that we're just making sure that we keep all our biosecurity plans in place um, with the tournament that we've got here in Adelaide at the moment. Uh, there are strict protocols, players, you know, coming in, playing and, and leaving the venue. Um, yeah, so um, we, we've, yeah, been fortunate and, and tennis has been back for, for quite a while here in South Australia. Adelaide sits in a, a tough week of the year, obviously, right normally before the Australian Open, now after a really revamped ATP Cup, probably eventually a WTA Cup as well. Do you feel like it's almost a little bit of, it's going to sound probably a little bit bad, but a little bit of a blessing <laughs> that players this year are going to want to play tennis. They're going to want events. They're going to need tennis to play prior to the Australian Open. Do you guys over there have the thought that maybe you can bring in a couple of big names to, especially without any tournament play this year, but to really kick off the season in Adelaide? Is that something you guys are thinking is a, a big possibility? Yeah, well, it's interesting you say that, Brent, because we had a meeting this morning and our tournament director, Ali McDonald, we were talking about the players and, and the feedback we're sort of getting is that obviously the players are eager to to get on with a, a Grand Slam and um, we're fortunate that obviously we're looking at January so we're hoping we had a good field last year but we're hoping to to get even better players coming over in, in January so watch this space. Indeed, Brett Phillips Sam Groth with you tonight here on the first serve Debbie Steary is our special guest, the CEO of Tennis uh, SA now there's a young girl and I think we had her on the first serve, we're going back I think about three years ago, apologies if I don't pronounce it 100% but Charlotte Kempenar's Pocho, I got that right pronunciation? You've done it very well it's hard to get some names right it's but not, that's, uh, that's how it's It's not pronunciation it. DP, it's pronunciation. Oh, thank you very you much got, You got the name pronunciation. right. Pronunciation <laughs> Yes, yes, let's get it right here on the first but She was runner up in uh, Brisbane at the UTR I mean, she's a good young talent. We actually had young Eddie Winter on the show a number of weeks ago who's doing uh, some nice work in that 15, 16 year old age group and Charlotte certainly is um, is building some nice foundations. Yeah, no, she's had an exceptional um, last series in in Brisbane and as a 15 year old um, she's doing exceptionally exceptionally well and um, I think she um, overcame world number 132 Priscilla on um, to go on to the final and unfortunately lose to Lizette Cabrera but you know it's great as a 15 year old and and great opportunity to be playing a pro tennis event especially when it's been limited opportunities you know over the last um, few months so um, that would definitely build her um, confidence and into the next into the next round. So. Now she's a good talent, one we're keeping a definite eye on. You had your awards night recently, uh, like many organisations, and I'm hosting a, a virtual awards for an organisation next Wednesday. It's going to be very very different, which would normally get about four or five hundred people coming along. But how did your tennis SA awards go, and what was uh, the major sort of highlight out of the night? Yeah, it was a fantastic event, and obviously going through the challenging time of the moment, we had to think how we could you know celebrate all the great achievements for all our players. So we um, sort of, um, heard the virtual awards night start of July and we had Tom Wren as a host um, oh. with one of my staff members. Tommy. Uh, and it went extremely well. We had thousands of views, which was just beyond what we thought and the feedback has just been fantastic. Uh, but, yeah, we were really focused on making sure that we... You know, celebrated the, the great achievements of both um, the players and also, you know, the clubs as well. So it just goes to show you when you're going through challenging times like this, just thinking about doing things differently, how um, well it can be received. So, um, no, it was um, great. We were looking at perhaps doing um, virtual um, awards nights and that um, into the future. So, yeah, no, it was great. Yeah, it's a way that we're all uh, adjusting to, and I think Sam would agree. Uh, uh, Tom Wren, the most positive human being on 
the planet that you'd ever meet. So he has to be the first choice over there in Adelaide to host any awards night. He is, uh, he's a great man. He's he a makes ripper. me smile. Makes me smile. Yeah. Hey, just yeah. closing, Debbie, the ANZ yeah. Tennis Hotshot Racket mm-hmm. Roadshow. This has been going on for a little while around Australia, but uh, obviously a, a really critical component each year of trying to get a tennis racket in young kids' hands to you know introduce kids to the sport. So that's obviously uh, big on your agenda in the coming months. Yeah, no, it's a fantastic initiative, and the Racket Roadshow launches actually on Monday in Perth um, with Matt um, Ebden and John Pearce um, delivering rackets. I think Dunn Craig was the first primary school that's going to receive the rackets. Yep. Uh, it's the fourth edition of the Racket Roadshow and I am more than 30,000 kids around Australia will receive rackets um, thanks to the great work um, from ANZ and that includes 90 schools and over 3,000 kids here in, in South Australia um, and I know the kids will really enjoy Todd Woodbridge and John Fitzgerald who I think are dialing into the schools to talk to the to the kids so you know to see I think by December there's about 170,000 rackets that will be delivered, you know, to schools across Australia um, since 2015. So um, just well done to ANZ and great initiative and really important for the grassroots and, and obviously getting the, the junior players coming um, through and experiencing, yeah, this great sport. Yeah, outstanding. Uh, we talk about the uh, juniors at one end and then you've got Fitzy and Todd who do uh, yeah, incredible work, obviously, uh, you know, spruiking the sport that they've been so good at. Uh, Debbie, great to catch up with you. You're obviously well ahead of us in terms of tennis productivity uh, on around the state of South Australia and uh, we look forward to seeing what the coming months bring and hopefully all uh, good roads can lead to uh, the Adelaide International come uh, the start of January. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, Brett. Really appreciate having me on. Debbie Sterry, the uh, CEO of uh, Tennis uh, Yarra Tennis Coaching, Melbourne's award-winning coaching program there at Eaglemont. They've been there since 2002. Shane Scrutton's the head coach. You'll look after you, whether you're an adult, a junior, yarratennis.com.au. Back with plenty more on The First Serve. The First Serve, your home of tennis. Thanks to GLG Greenlife Group. Celebrating 25 years providing landscape, horticultural and environmental services throughout Australia. GLG, your open space specialists. GLGCorp.com Great to have you here with us on a Tuesday night. Of course, we are more than just uh, one hour on SCN every week. We're providing tennis content right throughout the week, even in this unusual year. If you miss us uh, live here on the radio, uh, you can catch up, of course, and also take in our three dedicated podcasts, Aussies Only, Crunching the Numbers, and In the Huddle, thanks to Study and Play USA. So the thefirstserve.com.au is where you need to log on to weekly. Our live radio and podcast pages has all our shows and the podcast editions archived to listen at your your convenience. Now, whether you're on your phone, desktop, tablet, you can click on the web player direct or you can subscribe. That's probably the best way. Subscribe to the first serve. Get all of the above via Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, your preferred podcast platform, as our content does drop each week. Sam Grothy is alongside me tonight. Once a month, we catch up with our resident physio. Grothy, as you know, over 25 years clinical experience at Evolve Sports Physio. Their collective of practitioners allows them to collaborate and also proactively help prevent injuries and fast-track diagnosis and recovery. Their commitment to providing their patients the best possible care means they are committed to understanding the latest technology and the research findings to give their clients every opportunity to get the best out of their body. Now, they're trusted by the sports elite, but they're also catering for the everyday person who's got those ailments. Evolve Sports Physio, 492 St Kilda Road in the city. You can check them out online at evolvesports.physio. Rob Brandon, welcome back to the show, Rob. Hi, Brett. Uh, good to be back. I know you've had a uh, busy day down there at uh, Evolve Sports Physio, but plantar fascia tonight. In fact, 
Grothy, did you uh, did you suffer from any of this throughout your esteemed career? I'm normally across all the details of your career, but no, I, I had a few. I had a few foot problems. Plantar fasciitis wasn't something I had a lot of issues with. I had a Morton's neuroma, which I had chopped out, which wasn't that pleasant. Mm. But from all understanding, plantar fasciitis, it, it's not one of the friendly ones, though, Rob. It's one of those buggers that can really hang around for for many many months. So uh, yeah, like the you know the plantar fascia, it's a a uh, big, thick sort of ligament-type tissue that, that runs from the base of your heel and it extends up into your foot, uh, into the toes of your foot. And I often like to describe it a bit like a triangle. So if you think of the arch of your foot as kind of the apex of the triangle, then your plantar fascia essentially forms like the, the base of that triangle. So when you, when you, know, when you stand on your foot, uh, that holds up the, or it helps to hold up the arch of your foot. And then there's a whole heap of other muscles and tendons and, and other ligaments that sort of sling around and, and reinforce it. Um, but, uh, you know, essentially your plantar fascia helps to hold it all together. Uh, so what can commonly happen is as some of those muscles maybe get a bit tired or fatigued and, and can't sustain that load, then the, the load shifts onto the other structures and the plantar fascia generally gets to be the one that bears a big chunk of that stress. Uh, and so we start to pull on it and it yanks and it can get a bit torn uh, right at that attachment of your heel. Um, and, and that's essentially then what creates plantar fasciitis. So whenever you hear the word itis at the end of something, it generally means that it's a, like an inflammation of that, uh, that tissue. Um, and it, you know, it can take many months to develop. So often that can mean that it sort of can unfortunately take many months to turn around and get rid of it. Have you, so have so you ever had a breath? No, I, I don't think so. No, <laughs> not from my recollection. <laughs> not, think, no. not active enough? <laughs> what are you trying to say, Samuel? No, just uh, no. it was a question, not active enough question mark. <laughs> So if you've got plantar fasciitis, though, coming, Rob, what are the symptoms? What are some of the symptoms of plantar fasciitis? Yeah. <laughs> so probably the most common thing that people complain of when they come in and chat to us is they say that like that, you know, those first couple of steps when you get out of bed in the morning, you might be sort of hobbling to get to the toilet or the bathroom, uh, and then it's, it's sort of sore for that maybe first five or ten minutes, and then it generally kind of eases and gets a bit better as you walk around. But then, you know, same again, if you go and sit down, so you might sit in the car for 45 minutes driving to work, and then same thing happens. You get out of the car, those first couple of steps are, are really sore, uh, and then it eases with a bit of movement. So that's pretty sort of classic for, for plantar fascia. Um, and so the same thing might happen when you first jump onto the tennis court, you know, that first five or ten minutes while you're running around to warm up, it kind of tends to be quite sharp and sort of stabby in the base of your heel, uh, but then it can really free up and feel better, and then it comes back to bite you afterwards and um, can be quite sore. We spoke to you a few weeks ago about when something's inflamed that maybe the idea is to not ice it now. So you mentioned plantar fasciitis, and anything with an itis is inflammation. So how do we go about treating this i mean is it true is plantar fascia the one where you're, you're supposed to jump off a table and break it is that is that <laughs> how you deal with plantar fasciitis yeah or is that yeah there's that old uh that old story about uh, i think it's robert harvey isn't it that um uh, apparently the old wives tale goes that he was having problems with his plantar fascia and so he decided to try and rupture it is and he was ideal? jumping off a table mm. uh, and that's not ideal no but but look it, it they are actually you know sometimes they do do if things get really grumbly and, and we can't settle it down, then sometimes they surgically will actually cut it. Um, so, you know, it's probably not too far off the mark, but, but it's not something I'd encourage. Um, but, but really, you know, the main principles is, is we just, like any other sort of injury, we want to try and offload the tissue and, and have a look at some of the mechanical reasons why that tissue is under load. 
um, like I was talking about with the, the foot, uh, might be sort of maybe your footwear, it might be, I mean, yeah, especially at the moment, actually something I'm seeing quite a bit of is ankle foot problems, particularly with people working from home because people are going from being around, walking around in shoes all day and they might be at home in slippers all day. And so now their, their feet are under a lot more stress. Um, you know, maybe even with you guys, with tennis, you know, you're changing surfaces and so you're potentially um, changing shoes to adapt to the different surfaces. Uh, so that's another really common one is, is, you know, back in the days of the old Dunlop volleys, people love those on the grass, and um, but they're just not overly supportive. So if your muscles aren't strong enough, then that can actually kind of lead to creating some of those problems. Uh, no doubt. So uh, plenty to uh, take in there. In fact, you can go back and read uh, Rob's uh, article, Best Foot Forward, which was in uh, the Australian Tennis Magazine, which is certainly uh, archived, shoes treatment, uh, what it is. We've discussed that tonight, plantar fascia. And this segment is, uh, as we've said all along, Rob, is you know for the, the local recreation player out there who is, is trying to get out and be competitive, whether they're playing pennant or uh, midweek ladies, whatever the case may be. I mean, you need to be... Uh, in, you know, good nick to get out on the tennis court. Exactly. I mean, I think we sort of talked about this a little while ago. I mean, we want to be making sure, especially in this period where we, we aren't being as active, that we want to maintain some level of um, strengthening. And, and even if it, you know, while you're working from home, even if it is just getting for that walk around the block, uh, so that when you do get the opportunity to get back into some competitive tennis, um, you're not starting from scratch again. Hey, Rob, with tennis coming mm. back and the US Open possibly being one of the first events, is there going to be a real load issue for the players, especially on the men's side going straight into that best of five? Are they going to have to be a lot more diligent with their recovery? Obviously, you've worked in the Australian Open uh, physio room for a long, long time. Do you think we're going to see more sort of acute injuries or, or muscle soreness? What do you think is going to be the thing we're going to see a lot when the US Open goes ahead? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, if you, I guess if we use footy as a little bit of a, a benchmark, I mean, you know, some of the, um, a lot more soft tissue injuries coming up with AFL at the moment, having had that hiatus uh, and then coming back into a big chunk of, of playing games. Logic would say that I think we are going to see um, a bigger spike in, in injuries especially, uh, you know, yeah, like you said, it's, it's coming back into the five setters. That's so not like they're um, just coming back into their best of three matches. Um, so they're going to have to be a lot more diligent with, with recovery in between. You know, and you, I'm, I'm sure they're all um, keeping on the court and training at the moment where, where their opportunities are. But, um, yeah, it'd be really interesting. One, and I, I think we will see a lot of injuries throughout that, uh, that couple of weeks. Watch this space, absolutely. Evolve Sports Physio, one of our uh, valued partners here at the First Serve. They're at 492 St Kilda Road in the city. Rob, Ivan, of course, uh, the Australian Davis Cup physio. He's a great man. He's got plenty of good stories. And uh, you don't leave there feeling uh, worse for wear. You're in good nick when you leave Evolve Sports Physio. Thank you, Rob, as always. And evolvesports.physio is where you can book an appointment and check out all their uh, great services, mate. We'll catch up very soon. Thanks, guys. Good to chat. Rob Brandon, uh, our resident physio we're checking in around about once a month we'll get our last breakaway come back and tidy up and if you didn't catch us at the start bring you up to speed with the u.s open here on the first serve glg your open space specialists glgcorp.com Welcome back to the uh, final part of uh, our show here on uh, SCN on this uh, Tuesday night. Uh, of course, uh, keep abreast of our website and our socials over the next uh, few days as to how we're going to be placed over the next few weeks. Obviously, wall-to-wall footy on SCN from tomorrow night uh, for the next uh, three weeks or so. So we will squeeze in somewhere, but keep an eye on our website and our socials as well. Now, Grothy, we mentioned Cincinnati. The entry list uh, does get confirmed or the deadline is around about midnight tonight our time so 
what we're hearing, main draw, 56 players, 40 direct entry, uh, 12 qualifiers, four wildcards. And for the qualifying, which we read out uh, where a few of the Australians are in the mix there, field of 48, 43 direct entry, five wildcards. We've loved doing this remotely, though, haven't we? It's been fun. Oh, it's been nice. I just pop out of my kitchen, made a nice little prawn for heated dinner tonight, pop in here, have maybe a beer or two as we go about it, which means that normally my best stuff is done in the last couple of segments, but right it's all good. There's a revelation, everyone, uh, the mystique <laughs> of radio, and you've just blown it. <laughs> Now, I want to thank our good friend starting from scratch. In fact, Rob Brandon did say that. It led me in beautifully a little while ago. Offering their premium glass repair. They specialise in the removal of window scratches, bringing it back to its former glory, doing a beautiful job, Macker and his team. So if you've got a bit of graffiti, of course, on, you know, the local milk bars, still a few local milk bars around, or your pet dog has caused any damage. Uh, not Grothy's, a beautiful Labrador, just posing beautifully yesterday. Starting from scratched.com.au is where you uh, need to head. So Cincinnati, US Open. I feel like we've been talking about this for a long time, Sam, but this is the week. This is the week where we're absolutely going to know hands down. <laughs> we've been saying that for how long though? Every week's no, but the week. It. But things change. I mean, it wasn't it last week we were on air and then straight away Washington cancelled. So things are moving, they're changing every day. So we'll see what happens. BP, you were fantastic tonight, especially in segment two. I can't wait to listen back to that again. I could have done the show all by myself uh, tonight, but uh, thank you for popping in just a couple of questions to our guest, Sam, because when people listen back, they won't even know you've been part of the show tonight, but hey, it's uh, always great to have you on board, my friend. You just you, keep mate. hitting them well, long and strong at Commonwealth, and uh, one day I'll try and master my golf game. Thank you, Sam. Firstserve.com.au. Check out our website, our socials, some nice podcast content dropping throughout the week, and if you miss any of our live shows, you can catch up whenever you like, walking the dog, going for a run around the town, whatever it might be. We'll talk to you very soon on the radio. The First Serve. Subscribe to The First Serve via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your preferred podcast platform to listen at your convenience to the live shows you miss on a Monday night. Plus our weekly themed podcast content, including Aussies Only, Crunching the Numbers, and In the Huddle, produced by Study and Play USA. Plenty of content to listen to weekly. Subscribe to The First Serve, your home of tennis. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.